morning, everyone. Blessings to you. To our uh, church family. It's good to have you all, all the guests. Welcome. Thank you, Brother Samuel, for uh, the very timely message that you brought. This It's a lot to think about. And I like to think of that little folding of hands. Uh, nowadays, the folding of hands goes like this. And there's a lot of time being consumed. Uh, blessed is the man that knows where to put that in its proper place and has learned to discipline himself to put that in its proper place. Because it's something that's not going away. It'll just get worse. So... Thank you. Um, it was on my heart to bring about a, a message of encouragement, um, especially concerning uh, Brother Jordan, Uncle Jordan. Um, nobody knows where it can go. We just want to trust the Lord that he is ultimately in control. And there's nothing that we can do but trust him and continue to pray. And on that end, I want to encourage um, also on Fritz Vettel and Brother John and a lot to be thankful for in, in, in these things. We always could say that things could be a lot worse. I think we'll, we're, we're all as a church well-versed in, in these things, but to bring about the reminder that... Um, and if we if we get the exhortation of God that it is favor with God and to train our minds on that end that if everything is going good then we should actually be on our face and ask Lord don't you love me but who would do that who would say that when everything's going well be on her face saying, Lord, I thought you loved me. It's like a child coming to dad and saying, Dad, I need your chastisement. Give me a few whacks over the hands. I just need it. No, we don't do that. We don't. But when he gives it, we have to understand from whence it's coming from and who we belong to and the purpose of these things. They're meant not only for the sufferer, they are also meant for the loved ones that are looking on. All chastisement, no matter how it's coming and where it's coming from, is meant to bring us closer to the Lord. <laughs> the title of this message is, When Heaven Seems to be Silent, and I said it for this reason, seems to be because heaven is never silent. We just fail to understand the wise and Indeed, some of these whys will not be answered till now we're over yonder or years and years from this. I think one of the brothers shared this a few uh, weeks ago here. When heaven seems to be silent, we all love stories about answered prayer. And indeed, we've all, I think of late, we've received a lot of answered prayers. Um especially considering what happened to John. We could have a, a casket before us this weekend. 
but yet we have one small bone that's broken and and in a few short weeks it'll be 100% lord willing and we have a lot to be thankful for on that end that is answer prayer we get a thrill hearing accounts of god's miraculous intervention in people's lives and and well so we should it motivates us to be more diligent in our prayer life From Scripture, we see many examples where God is not limited to long prayers, but delights to answer the prayer of faith. From the lips of a righteous man, praying in faith brings the power of God in the form of a, in the form of a man. Out of it come miracles that no man can explain. So we come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Some days we are specific, we're confident, we're bold, we're absolutely convinced God will answer. We feel a level of faith and enthusiasm that we've never experienced before. We ask, we seek, we knock, but sometimes it seems God is silent. The thing that we are so praying for and wanting does not materialize. Our zeal is crushed and we wonder what happened. We ask ourselves, and God, is it worded? Did I do something wrong? Does God even hear me? Is my, is my walk with God strong enough that I'm worthy to pray on that end? I ask this to myself constantly. If my walk would be where it should be, would, would these prayers be answered? Does God even care? Well, we all know that he does. But... We all come into arguments with God, and I think it's normal for a God to wrestle with these questions. What is going on in the heavens? Some people respond to these to this negatively in a way that they don't receive what they ask for. Um, cable television Moogle uh, Ted Turner who is now one of the loudest voices criticizing Christianity on the air, said that he had a strict Christian upbringing, even considered becoming a missionary at one point in his life. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution quoted him as saying that he was saved seven or eight times in his life. But he said he became disinterested with Christianity when despite his fervent praying, his sister still died of cancer. So he blamed God, that is... Many, many examples of that. Where they wanted God as their right-hand letterman tool, when they needed him, they pull him out, they use him, and put him back in its proper place. But all the rest of the day and months and weeks, it's just there. It's not used. Just as a letterman tool. It's sad, but this is the truth for a lot of people. They just want God for their own personal reasons. Receiving God's no is not just limited to those who are living sinful lives. No matter how spiritual you may be, there is going to be times when God says no to your prayers. It doesn't matter how much you have sacrificed or endured for the cause of Christ. Ask Paul. He knows firsthand that he, he experienced a lot of no's. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. 2 Corinthians 11.24, of the Jews, five times I received, I have 40 stripes, save one. 
Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Wow. That was quite a journey. It doesn't matter how much you have accomplished for the cause of Christ. There will be times when it feels that God has turned a deaf ear to your requests. Again, Paul is an example of one who has accomplished a great deal for God. He had spoken, started many new churches, written down portions of the Bible, trained young pastors and missionaries. But even for him, there were times when heaven was silent. It happened to Paul. It will certainly happen to us. How are you going to respond when it happens in your life? How are you going to make it through? In searching for the subject of unanswered prayer, I found six Christ-honoring responses that we can have part of our lives when we face one of these times when God seems to say no to us. Number one, treat trials as a gift from God that he has given to me specifically. They are gifts of love. In James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. In Hebrews 12, 5, And have you forgotten exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not that thou art chastened of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Amen. When a friend of yours gives you a gift, you accept it. You accept it gladly. You're thankful for the token of love this person has for you. You thank that person for it, but when God our Father, our Heavenly Father, gives you a gift of scourging, we want to resist it. We want to ignore it. We hope it goes away soon. We pray for it to go away. Our Western Christianity has often falsely taught us that blessings from God consist only in the form of having food and shelter, clothing, having lots of stuff, and being 100% healthy all the time. As a church, we have been through enough to realize it is not true. While these things truly are a blessing and gift from God, we have often in the past had the warped idea that they belong to us all the time. When any of these things get threatened, we begin to resist and pray for God to intervene. God gives us gifts like having a sick loved one or a physical issue with our bodily temple or a brother or sister that is rubbing us the wrong way. For a time, these things can be a very important gift in our lives. Firstly, we need to recognize these things as God's token of love to us. Secondly, we need to accept and embrace them as a gift. And I, and I think when I say accepting, I mean they're for a season. They don't, they're not always going to be there. Most things that the Lord, these love gifts... 
that in a, in a form of chastisement, they're, they're seasonal. They come to an end eventually. And some don't. Some we're afflicted with all our lives, and they will never go away. And Paul had one of these. We don't know what it was, but he had it. We will have them until it's fulfilled our its purpose, what God in your life that, that Christ can or may not take away again. Number two, remember what God has already said. Remember what God has already said. When God doesn't seem to be saying anything, rest your confidence on what God has already said. We sang on Christ the solid rock I stand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then all is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Think about some of the surpassing great revelations that God has given to you already from the past. Go back to the book of Psalms. Listen as the writers struggle with their own questions about unanswered prayer and a God that seems far away. Listen to them complain over the fact that at that at the time when they most needed to see God's face, that his face seemed to be hidden. And then listen to them find confidence in the promises of God that will never change, no matter how our world may be changing all around us. Number four, continue praying to God. Three times I pleaded, plead with God. Paul's prayer was persistent and it was passionate. When Paul was talking and praying three times, it doesn't mean that he casually prayed over the knee three times and didn't quit. It doesn't mean that he added a short prayer at the end of his breakfast, lunch, or dinner prayers. Thanks for this food, oh God. And yeah, we would be so kind if you would be so kind. We also have this and this. And there's nothing wrong with these prayers. Please hear me correctly. My point was, they were passionate prayers. If you would be so kind, please take away this problem that I've got. No. Paul pleaded with God. The word is translated pleaded. It's the same word that is used to describe the way that Jerry has asked for the help of his daughter who was dying in Mark 5.23. It was how a leper sought cleansing from his leprosy in Mark 1.40. It was how a servant begged his master for mercy over a bill that he owed so that he would not be thrown into prison and separated from his family in Matthew 18, 29. And how would you pray if your daughter was dying? How would you pray if you saw a loved one slipping away on a hospital bed? The first response that many people give when God doesn't come through for them is that they give up on God or they give up on prayer. And that's before they even got to the pleading stage. They may have hinted, suggested, or even asked, but they haven't pleaded. It may, it may very well be that God is waiting for you until you're flat on the floor, on your face before him, laying it all on the line, humiliating yourself in his eyes, 
before he will give you the answer that you're seeking after. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I've always been amazed with this scripture in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 to 14. Can we all go there? Daniel chapter 10. I know we're familiar with them, but let's meditate on these words. When it comes to pleading, I think it's very important that we meditate on these scriptures. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Just, just think of that. He was mourning three full weeks. He, he wasn't eating during this time either. How many of us have pled for situations on that level? Fasted and praying for three weeks. Oh, we might go for three days. But for three weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till these three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body was also like beryl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in, like in color of polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turning to me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard a voice of his words, and I heard the voice of his words. Then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hand. Hands and he, and he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. He who has ears, let him hear these words, the perseverance that Daniel had that he would not give up. He set his heart to understand that he, he said, I will in his heart, he purposed, I will not give up until this comes through. I don't care how long it takes. And from that moment on, there's, there's mysteries here that I don't understand. Why did it take so long? What is going on in the heavens anyway? What, who held him back? Yeah, we know it's the prince of darkness, but, but the ins and outs of all, how does it work? How does it work when we pray? Do we have to pray all the time like that? But we see a glimpse into the heavens. Important, important prayers 
have more resistance to the enemy. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Twenty-one days it took. And then he needed help from Michael, the archangel, to come and fight through that army that it would take to give that answer. Let's meditate on these words. Now I am come to make thee understand and shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. These verses give us a glimpse on why we need to keep praying. If it's an issue where the princes of darkness are hindering the prayers, what is, it, what is at stake when we pray? What is, what is at stake? There was something great at stake for Daniel to hear these words. And he didn't want to hear them to hear these words. <coughs> the key I see in this scripture is that Daniel set his heart to understand. He began his prayer with expectation. He was going to pray through no matter what. He was resolved to get an answer. The only reason that Paul quit praying for this particular request was because God gave him an answer. It just so happened that that answer was no. Paul accepted that answer and continued on with his life. Most of you have heard the acronym P-U-S-H, PUSH, pray until something happens. Don't give up praying until something happens, either to change your situation or it changes you. A little boy told his teacher one day that he had lost his best marble. He asked if he could have prayer that God would enable him to find it. She was a Christian, so she agreed. The next day, she, has, she hesitantly asked the little boy if he found his marble. He said, no, ma'am, but he took away my desire for it. I don't want it anymore. There's something to be learned of this little story. At times we stop praying because we have the peace in our hearts that God heard that he's, what he's working, that he's worked it out. It seems God is saying, my son, I heard you. Please be patient. Number four, listen to God's voice. My grace is sufficient. In the first few days after the downing of the Twin Towers, Especially, a special train crew was brought in with special listening devices so that they could hear the sound of people trapped inside the rubble. Any movement, any voice. They were so sensitive that they could pick up a sound of someone crying out for help or even the sound of a human heartbeat. The concern of these people was nothing but hearing these sounds. They weren't there for revenge or rebuilding. They were there only for one purpose, that is to find, to hear these sounds, to find human beings. Their only concern was to hear that voice. So many noises were going on all around them that it was difficult to hear the one thing that they needed to hear. There was heavy equipment for moving steel girts, debris still shifting and grinding, jets flying overhead. God sometimes has us to remove all the other noises from our lives in order for us to be able to hear his voice. 
this is exactly what Samuel spoke about. God wants to remove all the other voices that we hear so that we may hear him. We allow so many things to compete for our attention in our lives. We are so busy. There's no time and no motivation to just sit down and listen. Sometimes the only time we're willing to listen to what God has to say, the only way that he can give us, get us to sit still long enough to get our attention is by knocking the breath out of us. He says, be still and know that I am God. It may be that we have to be on our face in sorrow and suffering before we, listen to, we are willing to listen to him. God can speak through our tears. Listen for his voice. Don't limit where the voice of God may be found. Elijah didn't hear it where he expected. He didn't hear it in a great wind or in a fire or in the earthquake. He heard it in a gentle whisper. A still small voice. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12. God used a little boy by the name of Samuel to cause Eli to hear his voice. If you're waiting for the miraculous, for God to communicate his message to you, maybe you're going to have to wait a long time. Mostly God uses everyday occurrences to show us his desires. He speaks through people maybe that we like the mo- dislike the most. In the middle of a crisis, you may hear all kinds of voices telling you what you need to do. God may be saying something to you, but in all the confusion, you can't sort it all out. You can't understand God's message. One of the principles of biblical interpretation, or even a principle of life, really, is that you interpret difficult or unclear passages by clear passages. As you face your struggle, you may feel like you need to go to a particular direction, but you are unsure. What should you do? Go to Scripture. Judge what you are feeling by what has already been revealed to you in the Bible. What God says to you in your spirit will never conflict what God has already said in his word. It's very important. Trust in God's power. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Trust in God's power, not your own. That's number five. Trust in God's power. Paul's question in the midst of all this and his reason for even asking God to take this problem away was because he thought that he could be a more effective servant for God. He thought he could accomplish more for God if God would just heal him. It would make him more powerful in the ministry. But I guess that's part of the issue. God wanted Paul to be in a position where he was forced to realize and remember that anything of any substance that was accomplished was because of God's power, not because of Paul's power. Paul was in a position where the temptation would have been great for him to start to take credit for some of the things that God has accomplished through his life. And Paul even recognized that the reason that he was given this thorn in the flesh was in order to keep him humble. He needed to remember that he was not battery operated. He was not self-sufficient. He had to be plugged into the power source at all times. And so must we. Trust in God's power when you have none. And that is all the time. Right now, there are thousands of families all around in this world 
who are desperately hurting for numerous reasons. Maybe they have lost a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter, a dad or a mom it's in sudden accidents or sickness. Some of those families are Christian families. They are wondering whether or not they will have the strength to carry on without their loved ones. Next one is listen to God's voice. My grace is sufficient. Last one. Point six, serve God right where you are. Serve God right where you are. I delight in weakness. You don't have to work yourself up to a certain level to serve God. Serve God right where you're at. And that is a deception that Satan has us and brings us down, that if we have been recently brought down on our face by a besetting sin, he tells us you're going to have to work your way up again before you will be able to, for me to use you. That is a lie. God will use us at any time. The grace of God is right now if we only turn our face to him. You want God to change your situation, but did you ever think that God has put you in in that situation to use you right in the middle of it? Don't ask God to change things until you've looked for and found how he can minister in and be changed by the circumstances that you are in presently. God doesn't do anything without a reason. And that work might be in our own hearts. It doesn't necessarily mean that he has some great work for us to do right here. And yes, he might have you speak into somebody's life, and that is a great work. But the greatest work that he will accomplish in us is to change our own hearts. And that is a major. To change our own hearts, because once our hearts are changed, he can do anything with us. In conclusion, God will not grant us our every request. He will not take away every pain, but he will always be there to gently wrap his hands, his arms of love, wipe away our tears, and give us strength and motivation to live another day. And it's important to consider a day, not days or weeks, another day. A man is sufficient for the day, not for two days. How are you going to respond to God when he says no? Are you going to push him away or are you going to pull him tighter than you have ever before and let him wrap his loving arms around you? (coughs) George Mueller once said in a response to all his unanswered prayer, in reading about all these answers to prayer, the believing reader may be led to think that I am spiritually minded above above most of the children of God and, and that, therefore, the Lord favors us thus. The true reason is this, just in as many points as we are acting according to the mind of God, in so many, we are blessed and made and made a bless, blessing. Our manner of living is according to the mind of the Lord, for he delights in seeing his children thus come to him. And therefore, though I am weak in erring in many points, yet he blesses me in this particular. And I doubt not will bless me as long as he shall enable me to act according to his will in this matter. Mr. Mueller had thousands and thousands of answer prayer. His autobiography title says, A Million and a Half, and in answer to prayer. But he had times of severe difficulty, times where he would trust God in great loss and suffering. 
In closing, I want to read a dairy excerpt from George Mueller that gives us a glimpse, glimpse into the life of a mere man who had given and yielded his life to the Lord. I copied it from his autobiography. I'll start on May 5th, 1835. May 5th, 1835. My father-in-law has been for several days very ill. June 3rd, 1835. Today we have a public meeting on account of the Scripture Knowledge Institute for Home and Abroad. It is now 15 months since independence upon the Lord for the supply of means. We have been enabled to provide poor children with schooling, circulate the Holy Scriptures, and aid, and aid missionary labors. During this time, though the field of labor has been continually enlarged, and though we have now and, and then been brought low in funds, the Lord has never allowed us to be obliged to stop the work. We have been enabled during this time to establish three-day schools, and to connect with the institution to other charities, day schools, which, humanly speaking, otherwise would have been closed for want of means. The number of children that have been thus provided with schooling amounts to 439. <coughs> June 20th, our father, that's his father-in-law, is, evident, is evidently today near his end. June 22, this morning at 2, our father died. That's the same day my dad died. This morning at 2, our father-in-law died. June 23rd, both our children are ill. June 24th, our little boy is very ill. June 25th, the dear little boy is so ill that I have no hope of his recovery. The disease is inflammation in the chest. I spoke this evening comfortably at Gideon, that is his place of worship where he spoke before his congregation. On Psalm 145, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever. Where do you think George Mueller went? Do you think he turned away his face from God? No, he embraced God through these trials. His father-in-law had died, and his child was now at the verge of dying. On Psalm 145, 1-4, thinking it right that neither the death of my father-in-law nor my dying child should keep me from the Lord's work. The Lord's holy will be done concerning the dear little one. June 26th, my prayer last evening was that God would be pleased to support my dear wife under the trial, should he remove the little one, and to take him soon to himself, thus sparing him from suffering. I did not pray for the child's recovery. It was... But two hours after that, the dear little one went home. June 27th, my dear wife is graciously supported. May the Lord grant that these afflictions may not be lost upon us. June 28th, I preached today both times comfortably. June 29th, this morning was the funeral. The remains of our father and infant were put into the same grave. July 3rd. Our taxes are due and may be called for any day, and for the first time we have no money to pay them. We were obliged, on account of our late, of our late afflictions, to spend the money which we had put by for them. May the Lord in mercy provide. June 6th, or July 6th. 
I was enabled today by the free will offering through the boxes and by what I had left to pay the taxes before they were called for. How kind the Lord to answer my prayer so soon. July 8th, this evening I had $5 sent from Western, it was five pounds sent from Western Supermare. So the Lord has again appeared. May I praise his holy name for his seasonable help, which I came when he had scarcely any money left. July 14th, today I had again a suit of new clothes given to me by a brother. My clothes were much worn and old, and our late funeral might have given a second reason for having new ones. But I did not order any because I had no money to pay for them and thought it wrong to contract debts. And it goes on and on. Just a man that's given over to the Lord, just totally yielded. We can take a great lesson from, from that young, from that mere man, except for the grace of God was on his life. I'm greatly humbled by examining this brother's outlook on life. The Lord so graciously provided for his every need in joy and in sorrow and in temporal things. And I hope you all, brethren, you will realize that he will do the same for us. Amen.